0: Tuesday, February 9th, 2021, and this is the Talk Film Society podcast. I'm your host, Marcelo Pico, editor-in-chief of Talk Film Society, and a podcaster of note. Uh, Here to introduce uh, episode 81 of the Talk Film Society podcast, Um, and an end to this run, this series that I've been doing for the last few weeks um it's uh it's mainly focused on the films of 2020 uh in case you're jumping in uh but uh, we're ending it with this episode with one film uh from 2020 that is exceptional it is worth talking about the invisible man by uh lee Wanell, uh starring elizabeth moss Uh, jessica scott is talking to me uh as my guest about the invisible man on the second segment of this episode about 50 minutes in uh but the first segment um it's i mean not technically the films of 2020 but the films of 2021 uh it's sundance 2021 that's the main topic of the first segment of this episode uh, I'm talking with Aaron Hendricks, uh, our writer over at Talk Film Society. Uh, he reviewed 12 movies uh, for Sundance over the span of, I'd say, like three or four days, which is incredible. Um, but yeah, we talk about the films he reviewed, what he watched, uh, his favorites from the fest, and, uh, and some films that are coming out really soon, uh, like Judas and the Black Messiah. We, we talk about that up top. Uh, and that's coming out if you're, listen- if you're listening to this the week this is dropping uh, that movie will be on HBO Max this weekend on the 12th I believe um, but yeah uh, Sundance 2021 in the first segment and the final uh, uh, you know, best of 2020 segment uh, the, the Invisible Man will be uh, in the second half of the show uh, but yeah that's the show Aaron Hendricks in segment 1 and Jessica Scott in segment 2 um, as for me, uh, yeah, I'm taking a break from this show. Uh, I've done consecutively I don't know how many episodes uh, from November through February. I took a break last week. Uh, I, I had a uh, another show to drop on uh, Tuesday, so I figured I'd take a break. Um, but yeah. Uh, this was a good run. Uh, I'll be back intermittently with this show uh, for award season, for Talk Film Society award season, for Oscar season. Um, and yeah, and then i uh, will go to work on something new. Uh, on the Patreon, if you go to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Talk Film Society. Uh, this month, I'm starting a new series. I'm not going to say what it is. If you follow me on Twitter, you kind of already know what it is. Um, but that... The first episode of that new series very short very short like five six episode series uh will be on the patreon uh in within a week so check out the patreon patreon.com slash talk film society for a uh, limited series podcast series uh that'll be up there soon now this show has been the flagship show of talk Film society since the beginning um and it's come back every so often uh when i feel like it <laughs> so yeah that's basically the gist of what i'm trying to say here is uh, it's the end of the run for now but yeah i'll be back uh i'll obviously be back with other podcasts but for this for the talk film society podcast it'll come back in one way or another uh but yeah this was fun i i love doing this series and what a great ending to, to talk about the invisible man and sundance 2021 uh basically leading us into the new year uh but yeah let's start with sundance uh me and aaron talking sundance 2021 in the first segment and then after that uh the invisible man with me and jessica scott so yes so, uh stay tuned <laughs> here's me and aaron talking sundance hello aaron Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for being here. Um, I, I'm excited to talk to you because, uh, first off, like I said, uh, you reviewed uh, plenty of movies. Uh, I, I counted 12 reviews mm-hmm. you wrote out of Sundance, uh, the Sundance Film Festival 2021. Uh, great work. Amazing. Amazing. Because, uh, you, you. like, Let's uh, let's give a, a quick breakdown for anybody who doesn't know what the Sundance Film Festival is, <laughs> which I laugh <laughs> to say because at this point anybody who listens to the talk from society podcast, I'm sure you have some uh, uh, you know realization of what that is. And I'm sure I've done episodes all, about it before years ago. I don't know, I can't remember now but um, I guess the, the the big thing this year, which you want to get across is uh, it went all digital. Right, Aaron? Yeah. Um, because of the pandemic and the situation of the world, uh, yes, it was it was right for them to just say, let's not do it. Because I don't think there were... Well, let me backtrack. It was digital, but I know there were like satellite screenings at like drive-in theaters, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, because I know here in Austin, the Austin Film Society, they had drive-in screenings for uh, some Sundance films. But other than that, yeah primarily, uh, digital. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's the kickoff, uh, film festival of the year, uh, usually happens in, you know, January and, um, there are huge films that premiere there, huge in terms of like, yes, they premiere at Sundance, they make a big splash, um, and they have a rollout, uh, throughout the year and some even get, you know, uh, get to go uh, be nominated for, uh, you know, end of year, Awards, you know, uh, mm-hmm. one example is uh, *Nomadland*, which premiered at last year's Sundance and is now like up for, uh, you know, we'll see, you know, Best Picture, Oscar, etc., etc. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's a big deal, right, Aaron? Am I getting all this right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's every year it's kind of the the big kickoff festival, but but a lot of the films that end up getting picked up and and generate a lot of buzz end up you're right, end up, you know, going to the Oscars the next year. Um, So, it's, it's, you know, I mean, some of them get released throughout the year, but but a lot of the sort of big, buzzy fall releases end up uh, coming from Sundance.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, So, talk about your experience with Sundance. Was this your first Sundance Film Festival, Aaron?
1: This is my second one. I went to the one... um, I think it was 2016. it was whatever year Manchester by the sea was at Sundance uh, yeah I went that, that year that sounds
0: right 2016 yeah
1: and yeah and and that's the only time I've been to Sundance before um, but it was it was a lot of fun I was I think that was actually my first film festival that I had been to oh wow um, but yeah but it was it was a lot of fun and Park City is a really cool place it's a you know nice small sort of ski town but but the film festival basically takes over the entire you know town um,
0: I, I yeah, yeah I, I want to you know uh, uh, of course talk about the films uh, that you saw at Sundance but something I've talked about over the last few weeks on the show is the experience of, of you know movie watching now and this time mm-hmm. versus like the before time and yeah. and I I, I like that I like they have the experience of experience experiencing Sundance in person um, because I mean you you know as well as I do like it's because I'm sure you had a great time right at, at Sundance 2016 um, yeah. because uh, one thing I really miss about going to the movies is going and going out is going to film festivals and mm-hmm. it's hard Uh, for me anyway and I want to uh, talk to you about that experience it's hard for me to kind of replicate that at home like I've tried Yeah, yeah I've tried I've tried to do the online film festivals in the last year You know, and some just didn't work out, and but there are some good uh, uh, experiences I've had at home uh, with film Mm -hmm. festivals that surprised me. You know, I think I did some of Fantastic Fest at home, and some of that interactive experience was was surprisingly, you know, fun. Um, But talk to me about that, Aaron, about experiencing that in person those years ago versus like experiencing it now. How how did that whole thing pan out for you
1: yes it's definitely a very different experience I think the thing that sticks out to me is you don't have that immediate audience feedback that you do when you're in a theater which in some ways is kind of nice when you're reviewing the film because you kind of feel like it's basically just your own um, reactions to the film that are shaping how you feel Yeah. Um, but at the same time there's definitely something that you miss when you're not in a theater with a bunch of other people. The the only time you get that sort of immediate audience feedback is when you're at, so after the film, um, during these digital screenings, you're dumped back into a, a chat box with the rest of your audience. And you get to kind of see what their reactions are and people, you know <laughs> most of the people, it's either, you know, it's the best thing I've ever seen or it's the worst thing I've ever seen. And, you know, <laughs> it's you know, it's how it is you normally. Know, but it um, but you know that that I think that does go some way toward replicating that feeling of like walking out of the theater and ha- hearing just you know snippets from from random people about what they liked what they didn't like um, which is a nice you know it was a nice feature for them to 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 include that to get you know the immediate feedback but um, but it can't it can't quite you know replicate the feeling of being in the theater and getting those reactions in real time to um you know plot developments or shots or you know whatever it is um but you know i i think for for their part they they did a good job you know trying to replicate that experience as best as they can even when we're you know on you know different sides of the planet
0: yeah that's that that, that's good to hear um because yeah i i do miss that um and i'm glad they tried to replicate it there uh for this year's sundance but that feeling of like yes having seen the film walking out and like just going to somebody you know or just hearing these conversations of like you know what they thought of the movie and yeah that whole like and then me later on in the festival like days later telling somebody you should see this movie because of so and so and so and so like that yeah. inter- that inter- interactive experience I can't wait to get back to and I'm glad they at least tried to replicate that for this year's Sundance so that's that's good to hear and and I'm, I'm going to be covering uh, South by Southwest uh, 2021 uh, next month for Talk From Society and I, I'm this one for sure I'm going to focus on, I'm going to say okay, you know, I've had my problems before with, with online festivals but I'm going to really try hard and just Try to focus. Because, like, I uh, um, and we'll talk about the movies here in a bit, but how was that experience, Aaron, like, watching these movies at home? Like, because for me, and I've mentioned this so many times before on these episodes, like, I have a terrible attention span when it comes to watching movies at home. I really have to focus. I have to put the phone away. Um, mm-hmm. And the one thing I love about going to a theater is going to a theater and, like, leaving yeah. everything behind and experiencing that movie for two hours or whatever. Uh, how is that? How's your attention span, Aaron? Hopefully, it's better than mine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's it's kind of tough. I basically what I did was I, um, I didn't fully turn off my phone just in case there was an emergency. But I I basically, you know, had it over in a corner away from (laughs) myself, and I closed the door because I have a dog, which was also I was afraid that he was going to like have to go out to the bathroom in the middle of a screen. I was going to have to, you know, they they do give you a little bit of a grace period. You can you can pause the movie. And, um, and you know, if you need to do something, you can come back to it, you know. Um, but you have, like, a limited window. I believe it's, like, three or four hours to complete the movie, you know. But then there's also sort of the, you know, uh, the problem of because it's online, a lot of the screenings are more condensed. So I had about, like, an, uh, especially when I, I filled my schedule with as many movies as I did, what I found was that I was... Um, I would have about maybe about an hour in between screenings. So I have to like write my review, pump it out to, to, to one of you guys yeah. and then and then get back to uh, um, get back to, to the screen so that I could watch the next movie. But um, but, you know, as far as the like home movie going experience went, it, it wasn't that bad
0: that's good that's good to hear um and again like I was thrilled and surprised not surprised but like happy that you're getting all these reviews out you know in such short time and I was trying to keep up with them and and I have to shout out Matt Curion uh who also helped with editing and publishing these so um thanks again Aaron why don't we talk about the movies themselves um so I want to start with Judas and the Black Messiah uh because it's the one that's now I sh- I should do some research on this, but I can't remember the last time this has happened or if this has ever happened. Where um, there's so much buzz around this, and the trailer dropped like last year, like maybe November, and there wasn't a release yeah. date, and it said you know in theaters soon, and then like a month later the HBO Max deal dropped, and they're like yes we're gonna release all these movies online and in theaters. And there's still some like vagueness about this this movie and when it was going to come out and then add on to that that the Oscar eligibility period this year for 2020 has extended through the end of you know February uh, uh, 28th you know the end of February yeah with all that in mind like juice and black Messiah premieres at Sundance this year and has a good shot of being nominated for best picture and I my point is I can't remember the last time that's ever happened where a film premieres at Sundance And then like a month or two later boom it's like a best picture nominee and i think that's crazy and you know considering this is a crazy year that's no surprise but yeah um so let's start with that movie because i'm interested in your thoughts um on juice the black messiah i'm excited for it i'm i'm excited for it after reading your review too so talk about that movie first aaron
1: yeah i mean just just sort of piggybacking on what you were talking about about how strange it is it is part of the nice thing about it is when you're reviewing it at Sundance, there, there's a part of me when I'm reviewing some of these movies at Sundance where I'm like, oh, I feel bad that people aren't going to be able to see this for another like year, basically. Yeah. Um, and, and the nice thing about this is like, you know, people will be able to see it soon. Um, and, and it'll hopefully get, get some nice Oscar recognition, you know, in, in just a matter of weeks. But, um, but as far as the movie goes, um, you know it stars um, um, Daniel Kaluuya and um, uh, S- Stanfield. Yeah, Lakeith well, Stanfield. Um, it's been a, <laughs> it's been a bit of a week this week. That's um, okay. But <laughs> but it's a it, it, so it tells the story of Fred Hampton, uh, the Black Panthers, um, and it is. I, I I think the thing that really stuck out to me about this movie was how um you know visually i would i would say it's it's you know pretty standard there's nothing terribly remarkable about it but i think the performances um especially from those two um really elevate the movie um it's 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 a very tense movie um i I don't want to give too much away but um but one of the characters is is basically an FBI mole, and um, and so there's a lot of sort of um, behind enemy lines tension that that comes from it. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of sort of tropes of the story are are things you've seen before. Um, sort of wavering allegiances and and you know being afraid of being found out. But the fact that this is a true story and um, the details of this still Sort of um, um, still still carry a lot of tension, make the movie really um, stand out. I think, um, and I do want to give a shout out also to Jesse Plemons, who's who's in this. Um, he's always great, but he here he is basically um, uh, Keith Stanfield's FBI handler, um, and he's also great in this. Um, you know, his his character's kind of reprehensible, but. You know he's 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 he he plays that job he plays that role really well and I think in general I haven't seen him you know if he if he is playing a villain he plays sort of the like you know either dopey villain or or someone who's like you know somewhat lovable in some way um, but here he he's he's you know kind of awful <laughs> and and I enjoyed seeing that turn for him
0: oh yeah um, and I should say. The movie will be out on HBO Max and in the theaters on the 12th, I believe, of February. <laughs> so, um, if you're listening to this, the day it comes out uh, this weekend. It'll be on HBO Max. Um, and again, I think it's very interesting that, and maybe in in, interesting in a good way, that this movie will be out for people to watch and uh, like right away after that buzz from Sundance after that premiere screening. Yeah. Um, that's that's what I think is like exciting about this year's Oscars it's just like it's those uh, those unexpected things are happening more and more um, yeah why don't we also why don't we move on to another movie that I've heard a lot of great things about uh, Passing directed by Rebecca Hall um, yes how'd you feel about this film Aaron
1: so this was actually my favorite of the festival Not and right. I mean it's very early in the year obviously but it's my favorite of the year so far for whatever that means <laughs> um, and i i don't know this this movie really struck me it's so it it stars um both ruth nega and tessa thompson andre holland is also in there alexander skarsgard is also in there um but it's uh based on a 1929 novel i forget the name of the the author but i include that in my review (laughs) um but basically the story is of uh two light-skinned black women one who lives as um you know, passing as a white woman, uh, she's married to Alexander Skarsgård's character. Uh, the other, Tessa Thompson's character, uh, lives as a black woman with with Andre Holland's character. Um, and sort of the, the two meet up early on in the film. Um, they're old friends, um, but they haven't seen each other in years. And the film is sort of about how they traverse the color line and... Um, why they pass? How they pass? Um, how it can sort of alienate them from their their um, their childhood? How it can alienate them from one another? Um, it's shot in black and white. It's, I believe, direc- um, Rebecca Hall's directorial debut. Yeah. Um, and one thing she really emphasized at the beginning, and I think you know rightly so, is how much time she put into the um, sound mixing. And here it's, it's one of the best sounding films I've heard in a long time. Um, it's, everything is really precise. It's a very quiet movie. Um, you can hear like glasses clinking, um, far off, like fog horns, but every little detail is, is very precisely placed. And this is one that I think actually kind of works at home because you can throw on some, some headphones and I think it really enhances the, the, the viewing experience. Um, but it's, it's a really, it's a really elegant movie. I think it's very smart about, um, about, you know, I mean, obviously these these women aren't biracial, but I think biracial identity. Um, and I think it, 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 it's just a really interesting movie. I haven't, I haven't seen too many, um, not this is a big budget movie, but you know, sort of high-profile movies about biracial identity that handle it with as much care and finesse as this movie does.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see it. I'm a huge fan of Rebecca Hall and all of the actors in this. Um, and I had heard some some buzz about it uh, before you know the, the its premiere at Sundance. And then reading a review, I was like, oh yeah, I'm I'm gonna love this. Um yeah. and uh, Netflix picked it up. Uh, I heard a rumor; it's probably not true that that Netflix might just release this, you know, before the Oscars and like have it be eligible this year. But I'm sure if they're smart, they'll release it like you know in a few months and then have it be elig- eligible next year. But yeah. uh, that's the kind of craziness we're we're uh, experiencing right now. You know, anything can happen <laughs> with these movies. But hey, you know, the, the the sooner I get to see this, the better. And uh, I'm glad at least Netflix. You know, um, they're solid enough about their releases, and uh, they they do care about quality. So I'm glad it's in their hands. So, um, but yeah, I'm excited to, to see that.
1: Yeah, and I, i um, one thing that I am glad about the Netflix release. Like, on one on the one hand, I think sometimes Netflix can sort of dump some of their releases in in a way that doesn't doesn't necessarily do them justice. Uh, I remember Private Life was a movie I, I loved but when it came out it wasn't even on their front page um, but I think you know I, I think right now the advantage with Netflix is everyone's watching it pretty much every single day <laughs> during the pandemic so it, it I think the, the the positive thing about this being picked up is that I think it's going to have a massive audience and hopefully um, a lot of people will, will end up watching it um, but yeah absolutely look out for this when it comes out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I do agree with you. I mean, some sometimes they they they, they things, but yeah. if they really, okay, I'm, I'm, I'll I'll say this: Netflix, if you're listening, and I know you are, I'm sure the movie's gonna be amazing. Please push it like you did, like Marriage Story, Irishman, Mank. Yeah. You know, there are some films uh, they really you know put a lot of money in. Put, put put some money behind this, because it sounds amazing. There's talent behind it, and it's telling an important story. So there you go. Netflix, make that push. Um, well, well, let me look down this list. What about the new Ben Wheatley? Because I've heard people were excited for this. It was... Uh, the background of it is very interesting, the, the, the making of it. Uh, talk about this, Aaron, uh, the new Ben Wheatley movie.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, just from the start, I kind of want to talk about how... Impressive it is that they that they made this movie. So they made this movie during during quarantine, and right. um, he kept it sort of low budget. Um, he's he's very smart about his location. Uh, they were able to social distance. Um, there's smart reuse of you know basic things like PPE. <laughs> like like this is a this is sort of a movie where they are where they are venturing into a. Um, uh, you know a a mysterious site in the woods and there are a lot of scientists in in you know masks and 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 all sorts of protective equipment it's smart about how it uses the um the things that you need to use to have a you know safe production um and incorporates it into the movie so i appreciate that um but essentially the premise of the movie is that this um this uh, uh, character, Dr. Lowry, has to go into um, the forest to reach this remote test site. Uh, they want him to go in to to basically make contact with um, with a site they've lost contact with, uh, and he's going in there with a park scout, uh, Alma, um, and um, both of these characters are played by. So, Dr. Lowry is played by Joel Fry. Um, Alma is played by uh, Alora Um They're both really wonderful in this. Um, overall, I found this movie. It was the first movie I saw at the festival. Um, I found it a little aimless. I think the pacing is a little slack in at points. Um, but as I said, I think it 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 builds an, an air of mystery really well. There are um, points in this in this movie where I think they um, they build a really strong sense of like foreboding and and um, tension in in the trek to the to the research site, um, and the back half I think has some really great sort of trippy visuals. Um, there's a really smart use of like you know excellent special effects that are still sort of low budget, um, but are really you know clever in their use of of. Light and color and and um, um, imagery, but but I think overall I was I was um, a little frustrated by the pacing, and I think that sort of let it down for me.
0: Oh yeah, that's totally understandable considering it's Ben Wheatley, and yeah. <laughs> um, how, how familiar are you with his work? How much of uh, Ben Wheatley's films have you seen, Aaron? I'm just curious.
1: Yeah, and to be fair, I'm I'm not like a huge fan of ben wheatley i haven't seen a ton of his stuff i've only seen high rise and free fire from from you know before uh so i want to dig more into his work and see you know how i feel about other films i think that you know he has a lot of talent and it's very clear and i and and even hearing him talk about this movie in in his um in the post-screening q a i think it's clear that he has a lot of passion and a lot of ideas that you can see in his work. And I really appreciate in his work, but I think he's also one of those filmmakers that I, I appreciate the influence more than more than I'm able to really connect with his, his films. Um, But there's always like a kernel in his movies that I really, really like. And it always keeps me like interested in whatever his next project is. Um, But that having been said, I think if you like Ben Wheatley's work, you know, um, uh, previously, I think this is something that that you know will be very much for you.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think I'm on the same page as you. Like from what I've seen, I more appreciate his work than like um, than like his work <laughs> because yeah. I I know people love what he does. I know people love Kill List, and yeah. I I maybe I may be endangering myself by saying I'm not a huge fan of Kill List. I do not connect with that movie. I just found it. I don't know, like, not to ruin it, not to spoil the end, but like, I just found it like eh, dull by the end. Yeah. But I admired where what he was going for and like the you know what what he put into it, like the the mood of the whole thing, um, and I kind of felt the same way about watching *Higher Eyes for the first time, but then I rewatched that movie, give another shot and I was like, okay, it's, it, it's good. It's, it's, it, it's okay. Um, I love free fire. I think that's the best thing I've seen of his, but yeah, it, he's a director who's like, you know, uh, uh I don't know. It's uh, not one of my favorite working directors, but I can see why people love him. Uh, what else can we talk about Aaron? Were there any other films you wanted to talk about?
1: Yeah. I, I think may day is another interesting release. um, this definitely won't be everyone's cup of tea. Um, I know it's not that it's like a love it or hate it movie, but but I've seen some people who are who are definitely less high on this than I am, and then others who are just as high on this as I am. Um, but this is, um, uh, I believe, the directorial debut of of and pardon me if I'm you know mispronouncing the name, but Karen Chinore. Um, but basically, the premise is. Um, this young uh girl played by grace van patten um is sort of a a a kitchen staff at this restaurant um there is a, a wedding party coming and they they arrive a little early because um rain clouds have set in so she um she's rushing to to sort of get prepared for 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 the party to come in and um and the lights go out. So she has to go down and reset the breaker. Uh, so she, when she does that, there's a big spark and all the lights go out and it the, the entire sort of um, restaurant gets this sort of like bluish hue. It's a really striking image. It's like blue and gold everywhere. Um, and then she's sort of lured into the the. there's like a portal in the oven this sounds very weird but it's all <laughs> I mean it is weird but it's it's, it's it, you know it's really striking and so she goes through this oven and is transported to another world and um, I don't want to spoil too much about where this goes but it's sort of this fantastical world where there's this band of women who lure soldiers to their deaths and then um and then they wash up on the shore of this, this Island that they're on and then they hunt them. Um, there's a little bit more to it. Obviously there's a little more, you know, moral complexity to it. It sounds very horrible and to a certain extent it is, but, um, but it's just, it's a very impressively original piece. It was a breath of fresh air watching this in during Sundance. Um, and it's also incredibly impressive. It's, it's like a war movie and a fantasy film um, it, it feels to a certain extent, like the kind of fantasy, like that Kiermo del Toro would make, not, not necessarily in the sense of like a fable, but, but, you know, in the sense of just like, oh, this is a really weird concept that he kind of just completely executes on and you believe the world and, and the rules of the world, um, And yeah, I was just really impressed by this. I think all the performances are really good. Um, Mia Goth is also in this. Um, And um, yeah, it's, it's a really impressive film um, that sort of fuses a lot of, also a lot of like eras in there's a lot of like world war two weaponry and like um, submarines and and stuff like that. Um, It's just, yeah, it's a really interesting film and I, very much encourage everyone to see this it's a shame that it won't get you know a big screen well hopefully it'll get a big screen release you know fingers crossed that COVID ends up going away but um but it's a shame that this probably won't get won't get a big screen release when it does release um because this this really does deserve like a big hefty sound system and a and a nice big screen that's you know a wall a full wall um but yeah, de- definitely check this out when it comes out. May not be your cup of tea, but um, but it definitely impressed me.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm excited for it. Um, just from reading your uh, review and hearing you talk about it now, like it, it sounds like my cup of tea too. And I love Mia Goth, and I think she's one of the most interesting. Uh, you know, actresses working today. So yeah. her and this like sweetens the deal. Like I was trying to look it to see if it has distribution, but last I read, it's still seeking U.S. Uh, U.S. distribution. So fingers crossed, it it gets out there. Yeah, um, yeah.
1: Which is such a shame because I think like this is one of those movies, I, and I and I know it's probably because there were you know bigger releases that were a little bit buzzier from the festival, but I think this this is a movie that is so. Distinct that I kind of really want it to to find even if it's a niche you know I I want it to find that niche um, because it's it's a really exciting movie.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm reading right now. Uh, this Variety article from a day ago says, uh, the film sales agent is holding out for a theatrical distribution. So, like like you're saying before, I mean, this movie sounds like it needs, you know, a big screen, big sound, and hopefully it works out for them. Maybe they have to wait a little bit longer for that (laughs) deal to come through, for somebody to say, yes, we'll release this in the theater. Um, It's a shame, like, it's taking so long in the state we're in, but... Yeah, I hope to one day sit down and watch this movie in a theater. You know, fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, what else can we talk about, Aaron? Uh, any any other film uh, that was a favorite of yours from the fest?
1: Yeah, another movie that um, that I do want to highlight is Night of the Kings. Um, this is a film from, and I'm probably also going to butcher the name of this director, but uh, Philippe Lacotte. Um, so um a film it's it's basically like a prison film on the ivory coast um and it's set in in a real prison called the Maka prison um and in this prison basically the the it, it's an open prison so all the prisoners can interact um, but it's basically run as one big like hierarchy of prisoners um and the premise is this: this young prisoner comes to the prison and is um, and is basically named. Um, I forget what the name of the, the actual role is, but basically he has to tell a story. And every new prisoner, when they come in, have to tell they they have a specific night where they have to tell a story um, from the time the blood moon rises to the time it sets. And if they don't. If they finish their story before before the moon sets, um, then they're put to death. Basically, um, so it's about this 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 kid. He can't be more than like you know like seventeen, eighteen. Um, but he he has to come in and tell a story that captivates the audience until the until the moon sets. Um, and it's I think the thing that really struck me about this film is. Um, how well the the film creates this sense that the prison is is a really bizarre place with its own rule set and its own culture, um, and and I found myself wanting. You know, I mean, the movie is about ninety-ish minutes, a uh, little you know a hair over ninety minutes. Um, but I found myself wanting more, even as the film ended, because I wanted to know more about the, the culture of the, the, the different factions of this, of this prison. Uh, I wanted to know more about like the history of the prison. Um, and I think it does a really good job of creating a sense of atmosphere and a sense of history there that, um, that, that kept me engaged throughout the entire runtime. So this was a really impressive um, release. Uh, of the festival uh, I think it has some really great performances um, some some beautiful imagery um, and a really great sense of atmosphere
0: all right there you go and uh, I looked it up and Neon is releasing this uh, it's coming out at the end of this month on the 26th in the theaters and in virtual cinemas and on VOD in March so I think they might push this for some awards uh, yeah. so yeah that's good uh, hopefully I get to see this uh, soon um, that's good I mean Neon is doing great work with you know yeah. the, I mean uh, obviously they they uh, they, won, uh, their film Parasite won an Oscar last year so uh, yeah. they're, they're, they're doing good work Neon uh, so that's yeah. good that uh, this film is in good hands um, Aaron I think we have time for maybe one more movie and then we'll maybe do some quick takes on some other movies so what's, what's another movie you want to talk about
1: Yeah, absolutely. Actually, I'm glad that we do because I had one more that I I definitely (laughs) wanted to talk about. Um, And that's Censor. This is from a a British director, Prano Bailey Bond. Um, And Basically, this is a it's a horror film about a British film censor um, in the 80s. This is, you know, Thatcher's Britain, and um, there's the whole big scare about video nasties. Um, so this character has a trauma in her past that I'll, you know, keep yeah, <laughs> vague here. Uh, but she has a trauma in her past that sort of motivates her to um, to take her work really, really seriously. Um, she thinks that, that, you know, um, um, ensuring that she's doing a good job, you know, censoring f- films is, is a really important sort of moral cause. And I think from the outset, that's kind of a hard sell to, to make that character sympathetic for, I think, a, a modern audience, um, but I think they do a really good job. And I think, um, uh, so it's, it stars, um, Yama Alger and she's, she's, you know, really sympathetic. Um, she goes through a very interesting arc. And I think this, this movie goes to certain places that, um, that, you know, I won't say you haven't seen another horror movies, but I think they, they create a very natural descent into madness here. Um, there's some really spectacular um set design uh use of color uh there's a lot of red and blue in this movie um but they also do a really great job of of contrasting that against the sort of you know quote unquote real world of of thatcher's britain which is very gray and and beige and drab um but yeah this movie has a great sense of style um you know it it i think um you know, again, I think I think this is another movie that that could use maybe a little bit of tightening, but um, but I was just really amazed by the by the um, confidence of the aesthetic and the and the performances in in this movie. So um, certainly, if you if you like, you know, um, horror movies, if you like, uh, you know, sort of uh, uh, classic, I I wouldn't say it's it's quite. Um, like a an Argento movie, but they're are shades of like, you know, Argento and and Bava and and, and those filmmakers, in it. Um, but I would say if you if you like those films, you will appreciate you know a censor.
0: Yeah, uh, this one immediately like went on to my like must watch list after reading your review yeah. because I'm kind of obsessed with that era of like video nasties and like censorship, like you know from the UK yeah. you know bleeding into like American you know satanic panic culture um, yeah. th- that all fascinates me and like I'm a huge fan of like uh, the influences uh, like like, the, like apparently the, like you're right the, the evil dead is an influence to this movie which I'm like yeah, yes
1: absolutely yeah there's there's even a shot in this you know the sort of famous shot from from the original evil dead where where the light bulb gets covered in blood and it just paints the entire room in red um, and there's a there's a homage to that it's not like you know very you know cutesy and like in your face but but she she pays homage to that well and and in her post-screening Q&A she was talking about how much of an impact because that was a a film banned by the by the um, by the British film censors and um, but she said that had a huge impact on her when she saw it and you can definitely see the influence of Sam Raimi in here um, which is always a a delight to see
0: (laughs) yeah that's good I'm I'm all in for, for for any Raimi influences there. Um, and I was going to say, I looked it up. Uh, no distribution so far. Hopefully it'll get picked up eventually and sometime soon yeah. and I can lay my eyes on it because this is definitely one I need to see. Um, it's always so weird that, you know, it's, uh, you, you'd think movies like this would get picked up instantly, but I, I've experienced that where I see a film at a festival. I'm super excited after seeing it. Hoping everybody sees it soon. And then just like some of them just like just float there in like you know in in, in a in a status of like will it ever get released? Will it you know what anybody pick this up? And hopefully you I mean yeah. you you hope eventually it does, but there's always that time period of like who else is gonna get to see this? So yeah, hopefully this is not one where it's it's in like you know, it's in this it's in a question mark for a long period of time. Hopefully somebody picks it up. Um Anything else before we go? Because we we can do some quick hits. Any other quick mentions you want to uh, get out there, Aaron, before you wrap it up?
1: Yeah, I, I may as well. I'll, I'll run through just three very yeah. quickly. Um, so um, another movie that, that I thought was was uh, worth mentioning is Fire in the Mountains. Um, this is, uh, I think, the feature debut of, of Ajit Paul Singh. Um, it's a really beautiful film. Um, it's about a mother who is um, who's trying to save money to to help build a road to her her remote Himalayan village. She wants to take her her wheelchair bound son to physiotherapy, but it's you know it's a, a, a long trek. Uh, the husband wants to do a a a sort of I mean it's not quite traditional, but it's it's a it's a, a like a, a ritual. Um, it's basically like a sacr a ritual sacrifice that he wants to do to sort of appease the gods to to heal his son. The mother doesn't believe that she wants to to take him to the to the doctor in town. Um, so it's about that sort of clash there. Um, the theme is not necessarily anything you haven't seen before, but I think the performances are um, really beautiful and and um, yeah, it's a it's a definitely a, a worthwhile watch. Um, the another film that I think people would you know, maybe interested in, especially if you like, um, sort of, you know, period pieces is The World to Come. This is, uh, from director Mona Fosfold Uh, it stars Vanessa Kirby and Catherine Waterston. Um, they are in, you know, uh, mid 1800s frontier, uh, um, and they are, you know, two women in, like, the same township, basically. They're they're pretty remote, but they're, you know, they're in the same area. Um, and they develop a, a romantic relationship, um, and it's sort of about how they navigate that um, with the sort of external pressures of, of the, the society, of their husbands. Um, it's a beautiful film. Um, I think, to a certain extent, I've seen, you know, some of what it does in other films and done better, but the core performances from Katherine Waterston and Vanessa Kirby are, are really beautiful, um, and you know you can tell that they really put their heart into this film. Um, then the last one that I want to highlight here is um, is Prime Time. Um, this is a, a a story about this. Um, uh, 20-year-old who basically takes a TV station hostage um and it's sort of you know in the vein of, of Dog Day Afternoon it's sort of like this story about how it all goes wrong and how how comically it all goes wrong um and I think as the movie progresses it becomes um Uh, more and more interesting seeing how all these characters interact the people he he takes hostage at the beginning who are like really afraid of him start to sort of warm up to him as he becomes more human um and i think it's 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 a really interesting film i think it has some some great performances especially from the the lead bartosh um by lena Um, pardon me if i'm mispronouncing it um but it's it's a it you know it's it's again it's something that you've seen before but I think the performances here really elevate it.
0: All right, awesome, um, Aaron. Thank you. Uh, I hope people listening have added all those films to their watch list. You know, keep an eye out for these films. Uh, not only the ones that are you know going to pop up on streaming here in the next few weeks, but you know, also those that don't have distribution yet that you know will be out in a few months. So, again, I love Sundance because. It puts all these films on my radar and I get excited for something in the future because that's what I want. Something to be excited for in the future. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you again, uh, Aaron. Before we go, plugs. Hey, where can people listening find you online?
1: Yeah, so you can obviously find my work at talkfilmsociety.com. Uh, you can find all these reviews cataloged under our Sundance 2021 coverage. Um, you can also find... Um, you know, short snippets of these reviews on, on my Letterboxd page. That's Aaron Hendricks on Letterboxd. Uh, and you know, all my other, you know, independent work on, on Letterboxd. Um, and, um, you can find me, um, at a Hendricks 9600 on Twitter. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it.
0: There you go. Awesome. Do that folks. Follow them. Uh, great work, Aaron, once again. <music> And with me for yet another, uh, almost almost to the end of the series, another segment in our uh, 2020 films series is Jessica. Hey, Jessica.
2: Hey, how are you doing?
0: Doing great. I'm um, doing as well as I can be. Nice Sunday yeah. uh, afternoon here in Texas. Like I said in the intro this series and now this is like the final episode um, on this series of the films of 2020 um, I've talked to many great guests about many great movies and we're rounding things out with uh, it's a movie um, I've seen a few times in theaters back the, well, back when there were theaters and I <laughs> visited it at home and it's so good so Jessica I'll it's, toss to you um, I asked guests what movie they want to talk about for this series what's the movie that you ended up picking?
2: I chose The Invisible Man, uh, Lee Whannell's remake from 2020 with Elizabeth Moss, Oliver Jackson Cohen. Um, it's I, I chose it for a few different reasons. Uh, first of all, I'm a huge fan of horror remakes that get everything right. Um, sometimes a remake can be... Um, unnecessary, maybe just a bit of a cash grab and doesn't really bring anything new to the material. Um, But this remake is so smart and takes such a a cool approach to a classic story that pretty much everybody knows um, and makes it really relevant and really interesting and just pretty much ticks all my boxes for horror remakes. So that was one of the reasons I chose it. Um, Another uh It really speaks to me as um, a survivor of abusive relationships and as somebody who has experience with um, intake rooms at mental institutions. It it really hits close to home. Um, And I I was tweeting about it last night as I was watching it, that it always takes me a little longer to watch this movie because I have to pause every now and then just kind of catch my breath. Um, But I think that they handled all of those aspects really really well so there are a couple of ways in which I
0: think this movie is brilliant so and I'm glad you uh, you're here to talk about that um, uh, from from your point of view because watching it as just a dude that's that's, that's what I am like <laughs> e- like even from my perspective I could feel it being like a real sense of, of, of that uh, from, from from that yeah. side of things and I think it's mm-hmm. partly due to how elizabeth moss uh handles the role which like this like i love Elizabeth. Uh, uh, i love her work in this and i love elizabeth moss and pretty much everything i've seen and um i guess we, I, we, we can talk about uh, uh one l too because i'm a huge fan of his you know from mm-hmm. his work in the saw movies through yes. like upgrade and i think it's like a wonderful pairing uh, of those two, a uh, writer, director, and an actress, and like that's I, that's where I'm coming from with like connecting with it in a real way. Like her performance, like really uh, connects me with like that aspect of like trauma, surviving trauma, and abuse. And then Joanne comes in with like grade a horror like direction <laughs> Absolutely. and visuals. Like oh, like this movie. I, again, I'll say, uh, this is going to be non-stop praise, like, amazing uh, for me. Uh, Jessica, why don't you talk about you anticipating this movie, or maybe not anticipating, maybe you had no idea what, what you were in for, but talk about your first time watching uh, The Invisible Man.
2: Okay. um, Yeah, actually, I... I typically like to see horror movies especially in the theaters well in the before times I did Um, but (laughs) this one I avoided the theater because I knew it would be really hard to watch and I didn't really want to be in public for it Um, so I I caught it on streaming maybe a uh I don't I don't recall exactly but it, it pretty much as soon as it was on streaming I kind of geared myself up for it um because you know I'm a huge fan of Lee L as well I agree completely his direction is amazing I you know I could spend the entire time just talking about the way he he moves the camera in this movie um but uh yeah I I caught it on streaming and it took me um it took me a while to get through it. I had to pause and walk away for a while. Um, it's it's a movie that, even just for a horror fan who doesn't really connect from personal experience with some of these things, um, it's it's scary. It's it's really suspenseful. Um, a lot of the really just slow, patient camera work um, creates this sense of tension that I, I really love. I'm, you know, I, I, I really like directors who take their time and trust their audience and just allow the scares to unfold and amplify. Uh, so it's, it's a really tense movie from that perspective, but um, also it was, you know, there are, there are a lot of things that I related to quite a bit and I would have to kind of pause and take a breath and step away for a second and come back. There's, there's a scene in particular, a couple of scenes, when you know you talked about elizabeth moss and she, she's so fantastic i love her and everything i've seen her in um but she really really did a great job with this role um when she's sitting at the table right after she has heard the news that adrian died right um uh talking to emily and james about what happened in the relationship she, they knew that things were bad that but they didn't know exactly what happened or what kind of abuse it was. And the way she talks about it um, really struck me on an emotional level. She she can't make a lot of eye contact. She's kind of looking all over the place. Um, and she's kind of laughing, kind of trying to minimize things a little bit. You know, she she knows what happened to her, but she's not sure how people are going to react to it because you always kind of doubt yourself as a survivor. Like, what, was it really as bad as it felt or was it really as bad as um, I remember it? Cause there's always a level of, you know, abusers making you not trust your own mind. So the fact that she's kind of laughing and rolling her eyes while she's talking about these horrible things that happened to her, that, that, part of her performance in particular really stuck out to me um uh, and there's a line that she says uh when james asks would he hit you and she says amongst other things yeah. and just the hor- the horrible implications of that combined with the kind of nonchalant way that she says it i just the dichotomy there always struck me as so authentic uh and i, I really appreciated that about the movie um and another thing i just i was blown away by the effects it's a really great movie from a technical perspective some of the the fight scenes with this invisible man that you know i know um special effects change and grow and people in a decade or two might look back and laugh at this movie but i really doubt it it just everything seems so seamless i really need to watch a making of to see how they did everything because it's really amazing um And I was really impressed also, Um, there are not a lot of voyeuristic shots. This is a movie that centers Cecilia's perspective. You know, most of the camera movement is from her eyeline, from from what she would see. And I really like, it, it felt very sensitive and very appropriate to me that we're not... Watching Cecilia as if we're Adrian stalking her. We're watching Cecilia live her life and deal with what's happened to her. So that's another thing I really loved about Wanell's direction that he's, you know, there there are a few of those voyeuristic shots to amp up the horror, but for the most part, this is Cecilia's story, not Adrian's story.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and 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 to your point about it feeling respectful, I can see that, and it's one thing I love about Juanel as a director and writer here. And I, I, I mentioned his work in the Saw movies. He's he wrote a good a good bit of those. Trust me when I say I I do love the Saw movies. I do, the, <laughs> but they are ridiculously over the top. There's there's not much room there for quiet contemplation, (laughs) Um, uh, but he has. uh, It's amazing to see him grow as a filmmaker, you know, writer, and then director. Um, To this, like to me, this is like his best work, and I do love Upgrade a lot. Not a big fan of Insidious three, it was fine, Mm -hmm. Um, but (laughs) but here, like, like to your point, he has those quiet moments of like um like uh, like moss her character talking through what happened not you know directly talking about it but like saying you know uh from the lack of of what she of from her not going into detail you get the full extent of, of what happened and one exactly. l just leaves the camera there he 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 takes it in he 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 beautifully directs these quiet moments. And it's refreshing to see that in a modern horror movie. Um, You know, and not to say like other horror movies who, uh, you know, that go for the exploitation that go for like the big and loud, you know, set pieces aren't you know mm-hmm. good too, but I just appreciate mm-hmm. it here, dealing with this story in particular. So that's why I found so great about Juan L's direction in this. Like he can take the quiet moments and slow things down, but then also rev things up, you know, with the special effects and um, you know, and the and the climax at the end. So that's what I really appreciate about this. Like he does feel respectful in that way.
2: Absolutely, yeah, and and he t- some of the quiet moments are really nice character study moments and some of the quiet moments are absolutely terrifying because he he lets that camera linger on all the negative space in the house or wherever cecilia is and you're searching the frame never quite sure where adrian may be so you know he quiet moments can be the scariest moments and I, i love that he was so patient and so confident in allowing those to just kind of unfold and draw the audience in
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah, thinking back to to early on in the movie, and well, well, we won't spoil too much here. I do want I do want to recommend people go watch this. That, that mm-hmm. that's kind of been my mission statement for these segments is like, let's like uh, tease people enough and get their, their interest. interested, but I do want them to see this movie, you know, without uh, having it spoiled for them. But yes, like for the majority of the movie, I mean, it's in the trailers. It's it's the premise of the movie. She gets like haunted by the invisible man who is her dead husband she believes is dead and early on in the movie after she she finds you know finds out that he passed away like there are moments of tension like you said like quiet moments of like her like sitting in a room or walking through a room and the camera just focuses on that empty space and it's beautiful framework like early on and you get that sense of dread of just a camera stationed in one place, focusing on nothing. <laughs> and it it <laughs> works immensely. And it gets under my skin right away. Uh, but yeah, Jessica, why don't you give a synopsis of what happens in The Invisible Man?
2: Okay. Um, well, I'm with you on not spoiling things. Um, I'm going to do my best just to kind of give a brief outline. Um, Cecilia is a woman married not married excuse me a woman in a relationship with this uh silicon valley type he's an optics expert very wealthy he lives in this compound um and she uh escapes basically it's an abusive relationship kind of a gilded cage situation um and she finds out a few weeks after her escape that he has committed suicide and starts seeing evidence that he is not as dead as she believed and has to deal with people not believing her and tr- perhaps not believing herself. Uh, it's She deals with the aftermath of the abuse. She's got a lot of PTSD that she deals with throughout the movie. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot going on in terms of power dynamics, especially with wealthy white men in the country. There's a lot um, that they're saying about um, technology and the surveillance state and the way that that can be manipulated. Um, And there's a lot going on in terms of how women are, and survivors of any gender are often not believed. So there's a lot going on under the surface of the movie.
0: Uh, One thing that really got me too, and you mentioned it like um, uh, when uh, Cecilia is is being haunted by this invisible man, like, um, and this happens in, in a lot of horror movies, right? Like, like something happens to somebody, and they're like, "It's happening," and they're like, you know, people around them are like, "No, it's not. It's you're, you're, you're crazy," right? The two, <laughs> to to paraphrase. But when it happens here, there's like that extra level of manipulation. And your heart sinks even more, knowing like what she's been through and what's actually happening to her. And mm. that's oh, that's that's powerful because I, I think that's like like feeding into that um, that that typical like story arc, like as yes, we've seen this before in other horror movies. But the fact that it's driven by Moss's performance and the, the, the situation she's in, like it, I think it works even better than other horror movies that kind of uh, tackle it that way. You know, like, uh, you know, the people not believing her, which is, yeah, it's, it's it's painful to watch.
2: It is, yeah, 100%. That's one of the things that I think is so brilliant about the movie is um, it's this, you know, gaslighting from beyond the grave. And right. the, the scariest part about the movie is adrian's desire for power and control at all times uh well one of the scariest parts it's also just uh, not being believed by people and being considered crazy by other people is a really deep fear of mine um and watching her know exactly what's happening to her and not be believed or have other people see her as crazy or irrational. It's, it's really terrifying. It's, it's such a a really nuanced exploration of abusive relationships and what it does to people, how it makes you doubt yourself or how it makes you have to unlearn things or how to um, develop new survival strategies. Because Cecilia is very much a fighter and she's very, She's really smart and strategic, but the, the sad thing about it is she has to be. She had to learn all these different techniques and tricks to survive because she wasn't in a loving relationship. She was in a battle to keep living at all times. Uh, so watching her work things out and try to get out of this nightmare that she's in, uh, it's, really, it, it's really scary, but it's also really heartbreaking and really you know it's really cathartic in a way too though yeah. i think a lot of um, abuse survivors responded to it in that way
0: yeah it's really uh, cathartic that's that that's the word i'm i'm thinking of too and i like that you bring that up that you can see she's smart and resourceful like from the first sequence like when she's escaping um mm-hmm. from from her boyfriend's home and then throughout the entire movie like you're with her like she you know not to spoil things but hey it's 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 a movie like what do you think is going to happen you know she, <laughs> she at moments she outsmarts him you know and she she, she has her comeuppance in in in, in, uh, in her own way and you know that's brilliant in and of itself because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we've we, we've seen her, you know, fight this invisible force. And again, it's credit to Juan L as a visual director and Moss, who is like <laughs> at times just acting by herself, like talking to somebody right. who's not <laughs> there and, and delivering these lines to somebody that you, you don't even know is there really. And that's the brain of this movie. The brains of this movie is that it's, you know, there, there are other people, there are great other characters in this, but it's mostly a one woman show, and Moss really carries it. You know, from you know, beginning to end, that's was also what I love. You
2: you never doubt that she's interacting with someone, even when, like you said, she's talking to empty space, dead air. In in these scenes that she's in, she she carries it so well, and. Just some of her facial expressions still haunt me. Like I talked about that conversation at the table where she's, you know, can't make eye contact and kind of uh, being really self-effacing in a way. But some of her, just all the different emotions that she goes through. She's got all this sorrow and all this rage and just so much fear. Uh, Just, you know, interacting with dead air or walking around and just her the way her eyeline moves and her body language is really good. It's um, a lot of things stuck out to me where she's startled by a loud noise at one point and she instinctively puts her back to the corner and gets as small as she can. I, I relate really strongly to just the body language of instinctively protecting yourself and trying to shrink up and uh, always having this instinctive physical reaction to um, triggers like loud noises and things like that. It was a really well thought out performance from a physical standpoint as well.
0: Yeah. Now this is going to be hard to do, and I've realized you know I pigeonholed myself with this these segments trying to avoid spoilers. <laughs> but how do you feel about the ending without really getting into it? Like that you know where where we see Cecilia in the end, you know, in like the final frame, which sticks with me for many reasons. But how do you feel about how they handled the very end of the movie? Because I've heard people not necessarily complain but like find it at odds maybe with itself i don't know like can can you answer that without spoiling it i know it's very mm. difficult
2: <laughs> yeah i i'm interested in some of those takes because i have not i have not seen um people talking about the ending not working um so i'll look that up but i will say that for me personally uh, apologies if this is too spoilery. The ending always brings me to tears. I cry throughout the, all of the credits. And um, I don't know if I would be able to re-watch this movie if it had a different ending. Right. But I, I always look forward to watching this movie for several different reasons. But the ending, I think... Um, uh, to me, that's... The perfect way to end the movie, I'll say that.
0: <laughs> I I'm I'm pretty much in agreement with you. I, I I do love how it ends, and like I said, that final shot with her doing what mm-hmm. she does. Um, that's mm-hmm. all I'll say. Uh, it's beautiful, I think, and oh, it, it's so good. And like I don't, know, yes. I think we can talk off mic about the the, the complaints, but it, okay. I <laughs> I I had that in mind watching it again recently, and I'm like, no, I I love the ending. I love how it ends. I love how uh, I love where she is at the end, and mm-hmm. I guess I, that's all I can say. Yeah, I think it's I yep, think yep. it's very well done. Um, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Was there anything else you wanted to touch on uh, on the Invisible Man, Jessica, before we, we move on?
2: Um, I just I wanted to talk about the sound a little bit. Yes, yes. I we, we we've talked about the visuals, but the sound is so. I, I think it's really well done because you know not only does One L kind of weaponize negative space, he weaponizes silence. He he's patient and trusts the audience enough to have a lot of silence in the movie, um, and there aren't many you know jump scares or loud noises. But when they happen, they're that much more effective, and it. It makes you tune in more as an audience member to what's happening, which puts you in the headspace of a survivor um, because this particular kind of trauma makes you hypervigilant to changes in the atmosphere, whether it's someone's mood shifting or a slight change in noises in the air around you. So it puts you in Cecilia's headspace and um, Mm -hmm there's a sound effect that they use for the invisible man that I'm really fascinated by. It's yeah. this, like, it sounds, I don't know. This sounds silly to say, but it sounds high tech. It's really discordant and really oppressive. And it's just such a cool sound effect. And it works so well in the movie. So I just, I, I really like kind of giving a shout out to how well the sound design and everything is too.
0: Yeah. If, if it's the sound I'm thinking of, it's like sort of like a clicking sound like too. And I, f- I find it fascinating because watching it maybe for the second or third time that sound i think pops up early in the film like in the scene i would not have expected it to and i'm like huh like is that in, is that in, am i crazy am, is that intentional right. it, it it really warps with like your sense of like like wh- <laughs> where this invisible man is and at, at what point in the movie i don't know it's i i i love that you brought that up that the sound design because uh, watching it like multiple times, it does kind of mess with your head and it pops up where you're not expecting it to.
2: Exactly, yeah. And I, I watch everything with subtitles, and I, I like seeing um, the... The caption come up clicking noise when I didn't even realize it was there. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> I, would, I would I would recommend that to people if you have trouble picking up noises, especially or obviously if you're deaf or hard of hearing, it watching the subtitles can help a lot to kind of say, oh, I didn't even realize that was happening right now.
0: Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I I don't watch uh, films with subtitles, but now I think I will. I'll, I'll turn it on and, and and see what else I miss.
2: <laughs> yeah, I would recommend it. It helps a lot sometimes.
0: Yeah uh there you go the invisible man uh like i said earlier as of this recording um actually we're we're recording the last day of january so hopefully you know in in two days it will still be up on hbo max it's <laughs> on hbo max yes, uh, but yes. If, if it's on hbo max go buy it it's great buy it on you know dvd blu-ray 4k uh all of the above one one of my favorites of the year it's totally worth it totally worth it yeah and I think uh, Juanel recorded a commentary for it which I'm excited to listen to eventually because I think he's like I said before I like his work I think he's a smart guy and I'm interested to see what he does um, in the future because I think he signed on to do Wolfman remake and also another uh, uh, an Invisible Man a sequel to Invisible Man I'm not sure if it's a sequel to this but whatever Mm -hmm. he whatever he does I'm 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 game I think he's, right. yeah, he's just he, one of the best horror directors working right now. Um, Absolutely. Before we go, Jessica, I um, want to ask you about uh, how, you? because I've been asking all my guests this, how have you dealt with uh, movie watching? Um, in the last year because everybody has like a different story so for some people who I've talked to they you know their, their viewing habit hasn't changed that much uh, like they you know they're not ones who usually go out to the theater anyway but how has it changed for you um, were you a theater goer regularly before it happened uh, and uh, and and how has it changed for you now that you know uh, movie, movie watching is just strictly at home
2: uh, yeah, I was I was a theater goer. I I always wanted to go more often than I did. And now, of course, I'm kicking myself for not going out and seeing all the movies I wanted to see in the theater when I had the opportunity to do so. Um, but yeah, I, I do miss the theater experience. But I was primarily a uh, stay home and watch it on, you know, streaming or whatever. So um, in terms of how I watch movies, things have changed a little bit um, just because I you know no one's going to the theater right now but in terms of how often i watch movies i feel like i'm watching a lot more uh just strictly because i started writing about movies in earnest last year so i'm i'm watching even more than i used to i was always always a film fan and watched a lot of movies but i feel like i'm watching a lot more which is a good thing i think um but i i would be lying if i said i didn't miss theaters i would love for things to be safe enough to go and get some popcorn and just watch trailers for 45 minutes and then watch a movie i i do miss that quite a bit
0: oh yeah i i do too i said it many times on the <laughs> show i miss it so much i can't wait to go back mm-hmm. um yeah my my goal is to watch uh my my, my goal post is i hope things get relatively back to normal uh, so much so that we can go back to movie theaters by the time Dune comes out. That's that's uh, my that's my wish. I just want to see Dune in the theater. Okay, yeah, <laughs> that would make me very happy. Um, right,
2: that's not a movie that seems like you can watch it on a laptop. No, no. <laughs> that's, that's a theater movie.
0: And even for me, like I have a decent sized TV. It's in 4K, but even then, I'm like, uh, I can't. I can't. I, I would rather <laughs> give me like a IMAX screen. Give me you know big bombastic sound. Uh, yes and yeah, oh, I want my seat to shake while I'm watching a movie yes right please that's and, and 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 uh to that point like watching the invisible man uh, I watched it in like Dolby cinema when it came out which mm. is like the most pristine see I'm, I'm I'm getting emotional just thinking about it now it's like the most <sighs> pristine 4k uh, um picture quality the 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 best sound it uh, your seats rumble at times uh, take me back please uh oh, anyway um,
2: right yeah i that's the one the one thing i regret about not seeing it in the theater because like we were talking about this the sound design i know i would have picked up on so much more having just those speakers blast me out of my seat uh, and just seeing you know the big beautiful screen so that's the one thing i regret about not seeing it in the theater for sure
0: yeah uh, but yeah like like we said ho- hopefully we'll get back uh mm-hmm. sooner rather than yeah. later um uh, and also, Jessica, any any other quick hits? Any other films from 2020 that that uh, you can recommend? Or I can open it up because sometimes people come in, and uh, one of my last guests uh, mentioned Velociraptor, which I'm like, sure, talk about that. <laughs> <But> <laughs> have you seen anything like uh, great recently? That's like maybe not a 2020 film.
2: Um oh gosh. Um not a 2020 film. Let me
0: see. Or a 2020 film. I'm opening up to Okay. What's, what's what's a good film you've seen or films you've seen recently, Jessica?
2: Okay. Um one of my recent favorites is Anything for Jackson. Um uh it's on I think it's still on Shutter. It's this amazing Canadian horror movie that they wrapped right before lockdown started um, it's about a pair of grieving grandparents who try to bring their grandson back from the dead uh, using uh, arcane satanic rituals and it goes horribly awry in really terrifying and heartbreaking ways uh, it it's it's really it's really funny and it's really scary and it deals with grief in a really surprising way and the performances are just fantastic it's it's one of my favorite movies of
0: the last year there you go anything for Jackson I I, I have heard good things about it um, I do have Shudder so I have to check that out I do mm-hmm, absolutely awesome um, Jessica thank you this this was fun this is a great conversation um, Thank I'm, you. I'm. I'm glad you brought your insight to this. Glad, glad we we can make it happen. Um, before we go, plugs. Where can the people listening find you online?
2: Oh, I am on Twitter at We Who Walk Here, all one word. Um, I've got. Uh, links to film writing on my twitter page i write for film cred and nightmarish conjurings most often but i've got work elsewhere you can check out but yeah check me out at twitter i i'm on way too often so i'll come say <laughs> hi to me at we who walk here
0: there you go please do that folks um jessica uh thank you uh and as always here's my catchphrase hey see you at the movies no never say that all right bye
1: Thank <laughs>